Let's stand with teachers and parents against politicians who try to score political points by banning books. Want to be focusing on education. I don't think most want to indoctrinate. I mean, we've had this debate about the, the, the education with, with this sexuality in like kindergarten. Like, that's inappropriate. I don't think most kindergarten teachers in Florida want to be doing that. Let's just look at the impacts of similar Republican legislation that has already passed on the state level. Look at these books that have already been banned due to Republican measures. Book bans. What is the truth? Since last summer, parents, school boards, and thirsty political groups have pulled off over 1,500 book bans in schools across the U.S. That's more bans than in 2018, 2019, and 2020 combined. The Democrats say Republicans are banning books. The Republicans say they are only doing what the parents want and remove certain books from the school curriculum. Today, we uncover the truth. What is really happening and should it be allowed? You don't want to miss this show. Due to the graphic nature of this program, listener discretion is advised. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of V Radio and Liberty Unleashed. Hello. I'm happy to be here, my man. My name is Brian, and I am the uh, host of Liberty Unleashed. Today, our goal is going to be to set the truth free about the book banning that is supposedly going on around the country. And uh, we also plan on doing this show weekly. So if you're into uh, listening to us and want to hear all our political talk, join us every Sunday at 6 o'clock as we will be doing new episodes every week. Looking forward to it. Yeah, Neil, this is a show that um, I really wanted to do um, and been waiting to do, uh, you know, all over social media, particularly Twitter. Um, the left is really coming out and trying to drive home this uh, Republicans are wanting to ban books. Republicans are banning books. And the thing that they do, one, I think they forget about or purposely leave out that there are independent voters and libertarians out there as well. But everything is um, MAGA extremists want to do this. MAGA extremists want to ban books. MAGA extremists hate children learning but love to have guns. And, you know, I really wanted to get the truth of this because, again, all over social media, if you really aren't paying attention, you don't care to look into it. And they really make it sound like there's this major book banning going on. Yeah, and the other thing that's really important, I feel, is that they keep leaving out the context on what is in said books. They, they don't want to talk about what's in them. And we're going to talk about a lot of that during this episode. We did, you know, did some research, and I asked uh, Crowdsourced Politics, is one of my left-leaning guys who's constantly in my Discord, to give me some links to investigate because he's on the side that supposedly the right is trying to ban books that shouldn't be banned. And I did find like some really minor examples of that, like, you know, maybe some books that got banned that shouldn't be. But the vast majority of this issue isn't really about banning. And I think that you made a really excellent point when we discussed this earlier, that there's a difference between banning and just not putting in your public school. Do you want to elaborate on that? Yeah, I think, you know, it's I would call it a semantical argument, but I think it's probably beyond that. Uh, you know, again, the left is over here. They want to ban books. And to me. I, I view a ban as in all out ban, like you can't go to that state or that country and get a hold of that book. And I, I think, you know, saying that they're banning books in school, I feel like that's the wrong word. I know in a lot of the stuff that I've researched, they're they're not banning it. They're just saying that this level, this grade level, this type of book uh, should not be available or should not be read to or should not be this, this subject should not be taught to at this grade level. 
And right. so these books are still available. You can still get them at Barnes and Noble. Uh, you can still order them from Amazon. You can still go in most places to the public library. I did find uh, one county in Texas, which was, you know, really extreme conservative Christian conservative county that they literally are trying to get the ban books banned there, but they're not having complete success, obviously. Um, but beyond that, there's not really, you know, saying that third graders should not be viewing these books on on sex and on, you know, the type of sex that they're they're pushing there. That's different than a ban in my mind. And, you know, again, these books are available if you're homeschooling, um, you know, anything like that. If you're just interested, you can take your kid, you can take yourself down to the public library or go on Amazon and order the book. It's not that Ron DeSantis or anybody is saying that this book can't exist in Florida. This book can exist in Texas. They're just saying it can't exist at this level at a, a grade of school. Well, and I think that's another really important distinction that I feel, and ironically, you know, as the left libertarian on the show, I have to endure this all the time as the, the things that I oppose, is that it's very clear that the problem is this. If, if they were just satisfied with saying, okay, I'm going to go buy genderqueer for my kid, meaning one of the books in question, you know, then I don't think most of us would care, nor would we even know, Right. Um, it, it comes down to the fact they're not satisfied with what they would show their own children. They want to show these things to other people's children for their own motivations. And this is where we end up in these, these weird situations. Cause like in my local town, for example, uh, the majority of them are cons of like conservative Christian types. And I ended up in this weird situation of being allied with them and trying to help them with local activism because these LGBTQ clubs find their way to schools and they have a strategy that if you if you watch like um, Short Fat Otaku did a very good jo um, job of talking about this, but they have these conferences where teachers exchange with each other strategies on how to create these clubs and then how to give them names that are kind of misleading so that the parents don't really know what they're up to. But in reality, they're an attempt to try to recruit and indoctrinate people to a specific perspective on sexuality issues. And the, they also will encourage kids to lie to their parents about what it is that's going on in these clubs. And that's just part of the modus operandi. And I want to be clear, and I feel that you would feel the same way. You and I are not against LBGTQ whatever people. We're not against anybody doing anything as long as they're not hurting someone else. And what they do in the privacy of their own bedroom is a general across-the-board libertarian perspective. That's fine. It's when you want to involve, you know, when you want to involve other people's children that we have a problem. Would I, would you agree with that? Yeah, I would agree with that. And more so when you want to involve their children without them knowing, without them having a say in it. I think that's really where it becomes the problem. Um, you know, obviously, if a parent says, "Hey, I want my kid to read this book," or "I want my kid to see this show." That's different. But to say to have somebody come home and say, hey, um, you know, we saw this book or we we went and saw this show and then be, you know, say, wait, how, how did you get a hold of that? How, how, how did that happen? I think that's where the problem definitely comes in. And that was what happened in Dearborn. I actually should have pulled that video up. I didn't even think about it. But in Dearborn, Michigan, there's a very heavy Muslim population. And you got to watch the woke kind of like pause for a second, like, how do we handle this? Because they're very against being Islamophobic. They consider it racist against, you know, Arabs, et cetera. But the Muslims showed up in force to one of these um, school board meetings that made it abundantly clear 
that they're not on board with their children being shown books with graphic depictions of oral sex, like genderqueer. Um, you know, they're not, you know, on board with any of that. And they put them in an awkward place because, you know, those the Muslims are even more conservative when it comes to issues of sexuality. And, you know, what are they going to do with that? Like, are they going to handle that? Are they going to tell the Muslims they're wrong or they're bad? They may have to confront some other strange bedfellow attitudes about Islam. And again, I'm not against Muslims, but it is a patriarchal religion and it's very conservative when it comes to heterosexuality versus homosexuality. And it put them in a spot. What are they going to do about it? And the reason I bring that up, though, is that in Dearborn, a fourth grader got their hands on genderqueer. And I'm pretty sure everybody in my audience is probably familiar with genderqueer already, but I will bring up some images of it in a moment. But go ahead and comment on what I just said if you want to. Yeah, you know, I um, several things to kind of backtrack just a little bit here. Uh, And I don't remember the years, but I do know that the left wanted books rewritten or banned as well. I remember it was a whole controversy about Huckleberry Finn and Tom Sawyer and rewriting the words that were in that or having them removed from the shelves. And this was the left pushing that. So it's interesting that their left is out right now. The Democrats, I should say the Democrats. I hate saying left and right. Um, but the, the Democrats are out right now running around accusing the Republicans um, of being these MAGA extremists who want to ban books when not so long ago they took the same position on that. Um, it's just it's fascinating to me. But that's politics. And, you know, I'm not a defender of the Republican Party uh, in any way. And they've had their moments of also lying about things. But when I watch Ron DeSantis, you know, our, our show opened up with uh, him in, on a clip on there. And when I watched the whole interview, um, basically he's saying, look, we're not really banning anything. We want parents to have a say in this. We're putting this law together so parents have a say in what their kids hear and see inside the schools. And when I looked into it a little deeper with the uh, the text of the the law that was written, I mean, he wasn't lying. So in this case, you know, I can defend the Republicans on this one and say that they're not lying. They're not being political about this like the Democrats are and and going around and just, you know, right now the Democrats are Republicans want to ban books, but not guns. <laughs> like, right. you know. And- then let's take a moment just to look at, like I said earlier, the, the context that they leave out is what is in the books. So this is my edited version of a page from the from the book Gender Queer that ended up in the hands of a fourth grader in Dearborn. And then you might, you know, and the funny thing is, is that the parent who came to complain at the, the school board meeting in Dearborn um, wasn't even one of the Muslims. But it doesn't change the fact that I, I cannot for the life of me think of why an elementary school kid needs this book. I, I just can't, Right. And then to go further into the context, like, here's just like the, I'm just going to go ahead and read it. Um, And remember, guys, this is a channel that is hit very hard by the shadow ban because we discuss these kinds of these kinds of topics. So make sure that you share um, these streams as much as you can, because inevitably, you know, we're not going to get a lot of attention. But like, so here's this is a book, again, a graphic novel called Gender Queer. Fast forward. We've been dating for two months. We've made out. We've had sex. We moved on to sexting at work. I got a new strap-on harness today. I can't wait to put it on you. It will fit my favorite perfectly. <laughs> You're going to look so hot. I can't wait to have your in my in my mouth. I'm going to give you the blowjob of your life. Then I want you inside me. You know, then literally the guy says, Holy shit, this is the most turned on I've ever been in my life. I am dying. So this is what's in the books. And the funny thing is, is that when you show these images, and this is the reason I have these graphic images, because when you're arguing with the far left, I'm going to call them the alt left. I think that's a good term for them, just the crazy left, right? 
they're going to tell you that this isn't happening, that, that this isn't real. So you, you're kind of left with no choice. It's just like all the graphic videos of the, uh, the drag queens dancing in front of kids. You have to show them the graphic footage because they're never going to acknowledge that this is taking place. I mean, I guess even from a libertarian perspective, nobody's against, I don't want this book burned. I don't want this book to not be available at Walden Books or wherever, but I don't think it just needs to be sitting on the shelf for any random kid to pick up in school. What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, I would 100% agree. Look, uh, as the libertarian that I am, I'm completely against state schools and wish everything was privatized. Having said that, it's not. And regardless of private or state-sponsored, uh, parents should have a say in the curriculum and what's taught. And I think, personally for me, School should be teaching reading, writing, writing, arithmetic, things like sex. Um, I don't find its place in school. I mean, we're, we're humans. We, we're going to learn about that stuff and our sexuality. You know, we're going to figure that out. I don't think we need school to really teach us anything. Uh, I was in high school. I don't remember. You know, I was in a different state for junior high school than I was for regular high school. And we didn't have any sex education in the junior high school at the level I was at in the state I was in at the time. When we came back, when I moved back to the state of Pennsylvania and went to high school, um, I believe our sex education class didn't start until like 11th grade. Uh, having said that, you know, for the most part, we mocked it and made fun of it. You know, by then, most of us already knew what they were going to teach us. And to elaborate that on further, I don't think it should have been taught any younger. I don't see like it would have benefited me or anybody else around me had it been taught any younger. Um, you know, it's, it's one thing to, to promote safe sex and to explain to people, um, you know, that there's diseases out there, there's obviously pregnancy and things like that, but it's another thing to get really graphic about it. And I think that's the, the, the core difference there. And again, my thought on education is, you know, keep it to the science. And when I say real science, I'm talking about that's already out there and proven like chemistry, things like that. Keep it to math, keep it to history, keep it to reading and writing. Um, I really don't find sex education that big of a place in school in any, in any aspect. Um, my, my step, well, my kids go to a charter school and my, uh, my stepson is now at the middle school level and they wanted to do, um, you know, sex education um, in there. And in this case, because it's a charter school, the parents did have a say. They were able to opt their kid in or out of it and view the curriculum before they made that decision. So I think if you're going to have it in school and I don't see why this is so hard across the nation, why it should be any different than that. Here's the curriculum. Here's what we're going to teach them. Do you want them to opt in or not? that's to me, that's as simple as it gets. And if you're going to have it in school, that's how you should have it. I would agree wholeheartedly. I want to take a quick moment to shout out John Jackson, regular on V radio, pointing out that gays against groomers is a great group. And I agree. And I also, most people don't know about this, but there's a trans version of that called trans against groomers. And I had two um, trans activists on my show who discussed it. You guys can check that out in my uh, show history. Um, one of them is called, you know, goes by Freya, and the other one goes by Shapeshifter. Shapeshifter actually was part of the um, congressional hearing on the what they have called the "Don't Say Gay" bill, who came forward and said you shouldn't allow children to do this. So the the reason that I'm bringing this up is that it's also very important, especially for the conservatives, to recognize there are plenty of people in the LGBTQ 
you know, a group that are not on board with exposing children to this stuff either, you know, and it's important to bring that up and to show these people support. Like Freya actually goes to protests and I'm really worried about that person's like safety because they're, you know, just a tiny person and Antifa is always present, you know, trying to scare people there. So, you know, make sure that you give your support to the people from these communities who are coming forward and saying they don't want children to be indoctrinated and they also don't want children to be mutilated. So in any case, um, so this was another example that I had on Twitter and it's from a, you know, um, the book is called let's talk about it. Right. And it's available in K through 12 libraries sometimes. And you can already see this, this really like three pages in, and this is the imagery we're looking at. I'm just going to kind of scroll past it, but th this is not just your average book, you know, like, and then it's got stuff in here about birth control pills and all kinds of other stuff. And, you know, I, I'm not against the, um, oh my goodness. Avoid tears and abrasions in your delicate areas. <laughs> this is the kind of details we don't necessarily need to have out there. Kids need to understand how they get pregnant. They need, I think that we could go that far, obviously. But the sex ed when I was going to school was, like you said, it's pretty much just based on the, the, the raw clinical science of the situation. And that's really the end of it. All these other details, especially like um, some of the books that are out there give like graphic manuals on how to properly have anal sex and stuff like that. And I guess it depends on age appropriateness, but it also kind of just depends on why do you feel that that's your priority? Like as a teacher, like why is this so important to you? Go ahead, Brian. I mean, that, that, I mean that's, I'm shaking my head. That's what I want to know. I, I, it's like, again, as I said, we're, we're humans. We can figure this stuff out if we want to. Um, I don't think we need to figure it out by 10 years old. If we wait till 20 to learn about it, so be it. I just, you know, what's the rush? That's, I think where I fall into it. Um, you know, I have an article here and to give you an idea of what pause, they're saying. Pause, pause for just a second, Brian. Yeah. I want to address this from the channel. Yes, sorry, your views are too far left-leaning for me. Peace out if you support any of these groups. You support grooming. I just made it very clear. I don't support the ones that support grooming. I support right. the ones that don't support grooming. Right. Feel free to see yourself out. Go ahead, Brian. <laughs> no, I agree. I'm watching the comments, too. And some of it, you know, I'm just like, we're not saying that. It's right. not what we're saying. But, uh, yeah, so, you know, this article is exactly what the left is saying is happening here. And I'll, you know, I'll start to read some of it. Uh, to you guys. And it's basically saying censoring the ideas and rewriting history. Several states are banning books and criminalizing the teaching of controversial topics. What um, so several states are banning books and criminalizing the teaching of topics. It's is censorship growing. Yes. Recently passed state and local legislation is dictating what schools may or may not teach and what students may or may not read. Okay. I mean, I agree that that's what they are dictating. What can be taught and what may or may not be read um, a record 2,571 different titles were banned or censored by school districts, states, and other government entities in 2022, according to the American library association, a 38% increase from the previous year, nearly 60% of those bans were aimed at classroom and school libraries. And most of the targeted books were by or about racial minorities or LGBTQ people. Broad, vaguely defined prohibitions on teaching critical race theory and other allegedly divisive topics in classroom have compelled one in four U.S. teachers to alter their curricula. In Florida, a textbook publisher even had to completely remove a purely factual passage on Greg Floyd's murder and the subsequent Black Lives Matter protest. 
in at least a half dozen states, teachers and school librarians now face potential prison time for violating these bans. It isn't just individual books being removed, restricted, suppressed in public schools anymore, said Casey Meehan of the uh, PEN, Penn American Foundation. It's a set of ideas. It's themes, it's identities, it's knowledge on the history of our country. So, you know, to stop there before I read more on the article, um, we obviously focused on the sex education side of it, but they are talking about critical race theory and history, particularly history involving minority groups. And, you know, again, I haven't... I haven't seen anything where they've rewrote the history. Um, you know, I know a lot of people who are against critical race theory being taught. And it's one of those things where I, I just feel, you know, same with the sex education. I, I don't I don't see where it has its place in teaching kids at a school. Well, and that was um, because I have been kind of deep into this for a while. Um, the biggest reason to oppose critical race theory is that race consciousness, meaning making everything about race instead of making us all one species, is an extremely important part of this. And I, again, I read the original documents, just like James Lindsay does. I didn't, I didn't get this from Tucker Carlson or Fox News or whatever. I read it for myself. And it also, um, they feel that the Civil Rights Act was bad for black people, that they were better off when they were segregated. Um, it literally, the opening founders of critical race theory state that they um, draw from black nationalism, black supremacy. Like it, it's literally a racist ideology and it's set up in such a way to try to, if anything, undo the civil rights movement. And they openly clarify that they feel that Martin Luther King was wrong and that instead we should look at Malcolm X back during the time period when he was a black supremacist, black nationalist racist, right? There was a time period in Malcolm X's life when Elijah Muhammad sent him to meet with the KKK because they had things in common about segregation and they wanted to see if the KKK would help black people get their own nation state. Like that's how much in common with other racists that group of people and their ideology had. And no, I don't want my children being taught that. Uh, <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. I, you know, most of what I know about the critical race theory, aside from just reading on what, what, you know, it's supposed to be was videos of parents at school board meetings, usually getting shut down because they were against it. And the whole premise was they were saying that their kid was being taught that they should be ashamed of the color of their skin, that they should apologize for it or be ashamed of it, uh, things like that. And again, you know, I haven't in my area, I haven't heard or seen anything like that happening at the schools. So I, I completely wonder what area, what states these kind of things happen at. Obviously, the videos are real that I'm seeing. Um, but yeah, my first thought is, how does this belong in a school? How does teaching somebody that they should be ashamed of their skin color or apologize for it or anything like that. I, it's not academics. It just, I don't get it. So, um, but I wanted to make the point, And I think the article did that. We're not just talking about sex and grooming there that, you know, critical race theory and, you know, the, the left is definitely accusing them of keeping history, rewriting history or banning stuff that has to do with history, particularly for minority groups out there. Right. So the article goes on here and says, where is this happening? And I bet you can guess where it's going to say, but most of the restrictions enacted this school year have been passed by Republican controlled legislators in Texas, Florida, Missouri, Utah, and South Carolina, spurred by conservative groups such as Moms for Liberty. Uh, I've heard about them, but I haven't looked into them. A two-year-old organization that has helped propel hundreds of like-minded candidates onto school boards. 
These legislators have passed laws with broad restrictions on topics they deem inappropriate. The mere presence of LGBTQ people in a book can be enough to merit the label obscene. In Florida and several other states, all books must be screened by official censors before they are deemed acceptable, with wholesale bans on references to sex, race, and gender identity, regardless of context. In Missouri, a new law banning books containing explicit sex and mater- sexual material led school districts to junk art history textbooks and nonfiction accounts of the Holocaust. In Texas, which had more book bannings than any other state last year, a bill currently under consideration would ban tech books, textbooks that portray U.S. history in anything but a positive light. In Florida, a new laws pushed by Governor Ron DeSantis have tied educators in knots and emptied some school library shelves. Uh, I've seen pictures on social media of people saying this is the, uh, the library shelf. Uh, but I've seen complete denial of it and people come on and say that, you know, these pictures aren't real, that they were uh, that this was from a school that they're moving. You know, this they built a new building and they obviously emptied the library out and somebody just took a photo of the old school library and said, see what's happening in Florida. Right. Yeah. And they and they're very good at leaving out the context. And in addition to that, you know, like, um, well, for example, we talk about they talk about like anything about the issues of minorities in history. Well, they want the 1619 project in every classroom. And the 1619 project opens up with the very verifiably false statement that the Revolutionary War was fought to preserve slavery. Like that that's right in the beginning of, of the of the 1619 project, which is a total fallacy, right? Um, in, in addition to the fact that I don't, you know, occasionally what we're seeing, because like there was a book, I saw a book that was allegedly banned that was about the life of Rosa Parks. That shouldn't be banned. I think you would agree, right? You know, yeah. like good civil rights activists like Rosa Parks. Nobody should want that banned. And if it got banned, then you should stop that and you should actively speak against it. But one of the other things that I think is important here well, is we brought I, up a go ahead. I am against ban altogether. So I, again, I mean, let's, oh yeah, let's clarify ban. Yeah, again. <laughs> so, so, so like, you're so saying ban that they is took this Rosa Parks not exist, right? Whereas <laughs> not having it in the school, I don't see a problem with a Rosa Parks book being in the school. Do you? Right. No, I, I wouldn't think that you would. So Rosa Parks book in the school is fine and I would encourage it, right? Rosa Parks is a perfect example. Like, I mean, boycotts, uh, peaceful protests. I mean, those are all things that every free citizen should learn how to do, right? Um, You know, and I think that she's a perfect example, you know, but what, but on the other side of things, the books that suggest things like say slavery was a white institution that, you know, like, cause they talk about, they want to teach the whole story. The story for them always begins when the slaves arrive. It never begins in the part where they got there or who sold the slaves. It's as if they just magically appeared on ships and then arrived on the coast. Like they leave out that the fact that there were, you know, entire African nations that made their living as a nation exporting slaves that they took from other tribes by brutal conquering actions. That was one of the reasons why the uh, the Woman King book was so not book movie was so controversial because historians came out and went, Oh, by the way, she wasn't some freedom fighter that that whole nation made their living on slavery in the Atlantic slave trade. But anyway, the point is they don't want to tell the whole story. They want to tell a very specific section of the story because it is about demonizing anybody with white skin. And unfortunately um, that attitude is becoming more and more prevalent and it's more and more safe. Um, to get away with just being outright racist against people who happen to have less melanin, right? 
Um, and if you start to create a curriculum around this idea, I went over this in a previous episode of mine, social sciences have understood for a long time that if you attack an in-group over and over again, the only thing that happens is a psychological kind of tribal reaction that you get the opposite of what you wanted, because then that group turns around and starts, you know, counterattacking the other group. So it doesn't even achieve what they think they want. And the reason this is relevant to book bans is ban is books that try to, you know, identify the idea that somehow white people are the devil. And in fact, I did a video and we can we can look at that again at some point about one of the children's books called Not My Idea, where it literally describes whiteness as a contract with Satan, like with the devil horns and a tail underneath it and fire and brimstone. Um, and that's a book that's a, that was designed for elementary aged kids. And I have a video on the channel about that where the guy reads it, this guy doing a book reading of it. And you really get the idea of the insidious attitude of it. So again, what's in the books? What, what is it that they're portraying? That's the element that they don't want to talk about. And one final point I want to make, when you go to these school boards videos, which there's plenty of, the parents try to read from these books and the school board immediately censors them. Yeah, I've seen some and parents are like, so you'll let my kids read it, but you won't let me read it to you. Right. Go ahead and comment on that. Yeah, no. And, and that's exactly, you know, as the article goes on here and says, you know, what does the Florida um, law say? And there's a lot of focus on the Florida laws, obviously, because this is, you know, one, DeSantis is looks like he's going to be the front runner of the Republican Party, possibly, um, depending on what happens to Trump here and his supporters. Uh, hard to say, you know, how these uh primaries go we've we've been through some of them and we know how they go but it looks like that could be so there is a lot of focus here on the on desantis in florida and uh you know so what did the florida law say it says one law requires that every book in school's possession be posted on an online database embedded by media specialists to ensure it's free of pornography uh, i feel like the articles say in this like that's a bad thing uh state right. guidance urges schools to err on the side of caution on what they approve in two large school districts which contain the cities of Bradenton and Jacksonville administrators ordered the removal or concealment of tens of thousands of books in their schools. Students returned from their winter break to find the bookshelves emptied or covered with paper. I think I was just commenting on that. Florida's parental rights and education law bans discussion of sexual orientation or gender identity from kindergarten to third grade while it stops woke act outlaw books that could lead any student to feel race or sex related guilt, anguish, or other forms of psychological distress. Yeah. Again, leaving out the context, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, they're, they're not going to discuss what's in the books that's leading to this. And more the point when they talk about that bill, as you're bringing up, you're just trying to empower parents. This should just be a no brainer. Like anything you're teaching should be available. Period. That, if it's that's not, what I are think. they afraid of? If they're if it's not, what is it they're afraid of? Yeah, and I I often wonder when I see these videos of the parents getting shut down at the uh, school board meetings for this stuff. I mean, the people sitting on the school boards who are doing that. What what is their agenda? I mean, what how did how did they get there? And I think it's you know something we talked about off air. That's something for people to focus on you know who is running for your school board who is part of your local we, we put a lot of focus on who our next president's going to be and very little focus on these things like you know the school board and so it's interesting that these people get into these positions and then are able to silence parents from speaking um that to me is the atrocity right there 
Well, right. And that's why I urge people to get involved. There's a whole other, it's the same thing with policing is that like, for example, the county sheriff is an elected position for a reason, right? We have a whole like layer to the democratic republic that we have that's there to try to protect people from stuff like this. And this thing sort of happens. This happens in places because people don't even pay attention to their school board elections. They don't pay attention to their sheriff's elections. They don't even know who their county commissioner is. They don't even know what a county commissioner is. A county commissioner is almost like a, the way it was described to you is almost like a congressman, but for your county or something to that effect. But anyway, the point is, is there's all these layers of government that are elected for a reason. And if you don't like what your current representatives are doing, get rid of them, right? But pay attention to that. And that's, and the funny thing is that is how this is starting to happen. Like in the town that I just lived in, that's exactly what they did. They started getting involved. You know, but at the same time, my town was a lot smaller. So we caught the superintendent kind of early before he got to really take this over the top. Right. Um, but it ended up with a FOIA request to actually get to the real bottom of what was going on. But the superintendent was literally just trying to quietly kind of not officially mandatory, but it kind of felt mandatory, you know, force the entire faculty to read White Fragility by Robin DiAngelo, right? Um, and like set up these book readings to make sure that they're doing it with other people in the faculty and then just didn't tell anyone, right? And the reason that it got out was only because during the minutes of the school board meeting, did it get revealed that he was trying to do the same thing with the school board. He was trying to get them all to, re to read White Fragility. And it's a perfect primer because if you get hit with White Fragility, that the meaning the book, then you're basically kind of set up for the gaslighting that's about to come next, which is if you disagree with anything I'm about to say, it's probably your white fragility talking, not your concern about how maybe what we're saying may not be rational or may not be logical or may not be backed by science. It's probably just your white fragility. And, you know, but it took a vigilant society within my town to catch them at that. In some of the other local towns, they were not so lucky. And, you know, and you could still take actions to change it but always be vigilant and pay attention to these local elections if you actually want change. Yeah. And, you know, um, I guess my point was um, grown adults. Uh, where where are these grown adults coming from who want to push this stuff on children? I, I, you know, looking at the chat for the show today, I feel like we have a high percentage of people who are on, on the side here that, you know, that books teaching the, about the sexuality or the way they want to, the kind of books they want to have in there are not for kids, you know, particularly for, you know, elementary school kids. And, you know, but you've got these grown adults who are wanting to push it. And it seems to me that less than five years ago, maybe more, uh, some of this stuff, you would have had CPS called on you for letting your kids look at or read. Um, and now it seems like it's acceptable and we should allow it. it it's weird how it turned like that. Well, and that's what I usually say to them. I say, if this is what you want, why don't you show your own kids that? Then I want you to ask yourself why it's so important to you, right? And they usually get kind of quiet or they squirm in their chair or occasionally you can get one of them to say the quiet part out loud. And they usually come from one of two camps. The one camp that believes that this sort of thing is a social contagion and that therefore they believe if kids are exposed to the queer stuff, that they'll become queer. There are people who believe that and that's what their objective is. The second group of people 
they they come out with the with what they believe to be good reasoning. I mean, obviously, neither of us would ever want an actual gay child to be abused. That should never be allowed. But we already have a system in place for that, right? Um, if somebody's being abused, then they should be reported, and that's the end of it. That's of course from the status perspective, and we currently live in a state. Um, but you know, on the other end of it, though. Um, that group of people believes that if they expose kids to this, that they feel that they're going to get more kids to be able to come out at a younger age. And that's what their objective is. And at the end of the day, for the funny thing for me is that my concerns about this situation actually come from the satanic panic. Back when I was told we couldn't have a and d club because it might be satanic, you know, or them panic about whether or not our Transformers and He-Man characters are satanic. I'm like, that's none of your business. Like, <laughs> you know. But that yeah, was that's okay. what I'm saying. We went from Transformers being satanic to now it's okay to push this kind of stuff on kids. Right. Uh, you know, somebody in the chat just said that if we saw the video of the teacher in California telling her students all about anal sex and where to get toys and how to use them, what's the point? That becomes my question. Why right. as a teacher do you feel you need to do this? What is the point? Right. And and why is it and that and that is an answer that they don't want to give. And unfortunately. Um, as I do the research for my OK Groomer documentary that is still ongoing, you kind of start to peel away the layers. And similar in a way that there is a black supremacist um, element underneath Black Lives Matter that doesn't get seen very often, there is also an element in some radical leftist thinking, and I'm going to say again, alt-left here, that openly states that to fight fascism, we must sexually liberate children as young as possible. That's actually in an anti-fascist author's book from back like near World War II. And then there's another guy named, um, I think it's Michelle, because it's a French name. It looks like Michael Foucault, who's a common left anarchist um, activist, who also just openly states we shouldn't have any kind of age of consent at all. And then he is, in his own personal life, he was traveling abroad to find young boy prostitutes you know so there is an element among them the problem is is that it's important to note that that's not supported even by all of the radical leftists and the person who brought this stuff to my attention is a radical anarchist left-leaning guy named derek jensen and there's a great video that i put up on my channel of him arguing with antifa students because he pointed this out because a lot of these people are not even familiar with this they don't realize that that's where it's coming from and then there are those who are familiar with it and just don't want you to know about it. There are so many times as things go on interacting with the alt-left that it works like this. Initially, it's it's not happening and nobody supports it. Then it's, okay, nobody, maybe some people support it, but it's not happening. Then it's, okay, it is happening and it should be happening. That's how it went with critical race theory. That's how it's going with drag shows in front of kids, drag shows at schools. It's the same thing, and I have a feeling that and they're, they're headed in that direction now. That's why you have this new definition called minor attracted person, that we need to rebrand the concept of pedophile. Mm. You know, so go ahead. Yeah, no words for that. I hate that term, but anyway, minor right. attracted person. It just, yeah. Uh, I'm not going to finish reading the whole article, but I wanted to skip to the part here where it says, do most parents support this? It says, no, a Fox News poll released in April, revealed that 70% of parents were extremely or very worried about book bans. Now, first of all, the left hates Fox News. The Democrats hate Fox News until they put up a poll that supports their their agenda. 
But second of all, yeah, I think anybody is going to high percentage if you call it a book ban. This is what keeps bothering me. It keeps being labeled as a book ban when this is not what it is. Other polls found that about 80% of both Republicans and Democrats say books should never be banned for discussing race, slavery, or critical views of U.S. history. Okay. I mean, again, as you say, context, as long as it's factual, actual discussion, you know, I think that's fine. Um, Views of U.S. history. I already read that. Democratic pollster Guy Molinex said a majority of parents say they are uncomfortable with some of this gender transitional treatment kids are getting. And I don't know how I feel about pronouns, but I do not want them banning books. Okay. So, yeah, I think that's exactly right. Nobody wants in America to hear the word ban. Okay. Banning books sounds very fascist and we don't like it. So we have to call it what it is. And, you know, parents are uncomfortable with this gender transitional treatment of kids and talking about that stuff. So I think that's, you know, fair to say. Um, But again, sit there and say it's a ban, it's a ban, it's a ban. And that's all I hear on social media. MAGA extremists, they want to ban these books. MAGA extremists don't want your kids to get education. You know, they don't want your kids to learn how to read or it's just that's what driving me nuts with this whole thing. Well, and and more importantly, it's 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 just not accurate to what's really it's not the truth. But I, you know, and another thing I wanted to point out, and I forgot to mention this earlier. Um, as a left leaning guy, I had to do a video on um, AOC versus Bernie Sanders on the topic of censorship. And the funny, weird thing going on right now is that the the alt left wants to claim that this is an issue of censorship, but then they're cheerleading when a, a right leaning you know voice like Tucker Carlson gets removed from the media, right? Like they're all about deplatforming as long as it's their censorship, right? You know, and to be honest with you, I'll bet you if we cornered some of these people, if Trump has a book, I doubt they want that in a school, right? If, you know, if there's a book about conservative this or that, I doubt they want that in a school, right? I don't think that they want their kids indoctrinated into conservative thinking either, you know, and that's the thing that I always say about censorship is that, it has a, it's a mentality. You start to think to yourself that, well, you know what? I don't want to argue with this anymore. I'm just going to turn it off. And we can talk more about that in another show. But I just wanted to point out that it's really ironic to me that AOC gets up and complains about these things being banned and then puts up on her TikTok how happy she is and saying things like deplatforming works and it's very important when they get rid of Tucker Carlson. The bizarre relationship between censorship and the left that is going on right now a lot of old school leftists like Derek Jensen, for example, are kind of trying to sound an alarm like you guys need to understand something. The only reason there is a left is because we have a First Amendment, period, because there's a time period in this country when they wanted to get rid of anybody who even whiffed of communism. So it's not like, it, you know, and, but they think, well, now the censorship pen is ours, so it'll be a good censorship pen. So anyway, go ahead. Well, Spartacus Rebellion in the chat said, ban book where? The books are not banned in society. They're banned in a very narrow context and environment. And I mean, that's my point. I, that's why I want to get rid of the word ban. It's it's re, sure. they're just being relocated. They're being, um, you know, reclassified. I think reclassified might be the wrong word. But yeah, they basically are saying, you know, if you go and read the um, don't say gay bill that they call it in Florida, uh, basically, that's what they're saying. From this grade to that grade, we're not allowing these type of books. 
Um, and so it's not a ban and that's what keeps bothering me. So they say that kindergartners cannot have access to this book. And then the Democrats say they're banning books and right. there's a complete difference there. That's, that's my point that I've been trying to make. Um, U S Congressman Mike Johnson, he's a Republican out of Louisiana. Um, this is a bill, uh, to introduce legislation to ensure taxpayer dollars, cannot fund sexually explicit material for children. So 33 member, Republican members of Congress, led by House Republican Conference Vice Chairman Mike Johnson, today introduced legislation to prohibit federal, state, local governments, and private organizations from using federal tax dollars to expose children under 10 to sexually explicit material. So again, it's basically, it's not a ban. We're just we're saying they're not getting money from the federal government and it's this age group. Anybody under this age is what we're talking about here. Um, the Democratic Party and their culture allies are on a misguided crusade to immerse young children in sexual imagery and radical gender ideology, Johnson said. This common sense bill is straightforward. No federal tax dollars should go to any federal, state or local government agencies or private organizations that intentionally expose children under 10 years of age to sexually explicit material. My only question is why and how they chose the age of 10 years old. Right. And I, and I knew that kind of like anarchist attitude about it would come up, but I don't think that 10 is an unrealistic view. Uh, you could even go a little higher, but I, I kind of think that it moves into direction though of, some of these things should just be handled between a parent and their kid. And if the parents ain't handling it, then we need to work on that <laughs> rather than suggesting that someone else will decide for me what my kid will be exposed to and what they won't. Right. I, I would assume that Ted might've been chosen because people can start hitting puberty at that age. And maybe that's where they're, I mean, I assume some, some people rare is probably younger than that, but right. I think most do it at the teenage um, level, but I mean, that would be the only assumption I could go with on why they chose the arbitrary number of 10 years of age here. Um, the background of the legislation is to stop the Sexualization of Children Act of 2022, prohibits the use of federal funds to develop, implement, facilitate, or fund any sexually orientated program, event, or literature for children under the age of 10. The bill prohibits federal funds from being used to host or promote events where adults dance saliciously or strip for children. I mean, that's, again, five years ago, you would have had called, CPS called on you if you did that in front of children. And now they have to introduce a bill saying you don't get federal funding for it. Um, you know, as, as the libertarian I am, I'm not a big fan of CPS, so I'm not actually out there supporting them. I'm just making a point that what would have happened a couple of years ago. And now all of a sudden it seems acceptable. Um, you know, in terms of federal money, I'm always for federal money being held and not spent spending now to control anyway. But having said that, when you are basically saying, look, if you're going to do this type of thing, you're definitely not getting the money. You know, if they were going to spend the money anyway, and I have no say in that, um, you know, fine, you know, for this type of thing, I tend to agree with it and, you know, don't give them money for it. Right. And well, and aside from the issue of whether or not government funding for these projects is is or is not and, you know, moral on its own. I mean, that, that's a separate question. The, the biggest point that, that keeps coming back to my head is why do they feel that this is oppressive? You're not going to let people dance suggestively or salaciously in front of kids. But why, why do you need that? Right. And again, when you can pin them down, because these kinds of conversations go on in my discord all the time. And it's because 
in my Discord. I tolerate all viewpoints. You're just not allowed to personally attack each other. So occasionally I'll have leftists just openly admit that the reason that they want drag queens in front of kids is to expose kids to these ideas of gender bending, you know, um, and queerness at as young age as possible for the purpose of normalizing that to children, right? And there, there's there's one thing about trying to say, okay, they're all LGBTQ kids, they exist. And then there's another when you have them dancing suggestively in front of kids, and that is taking place. I've done several videos exposing this issue. Libs of TikTok has you know, like dozens of videos. They have to stop denying that it's happening. I got another video on the topic that, yes, not only is it happening, one of these um, queer clubs I was talking about earlier literally had guys do a drag show, meaning students do a drag show in front of the entire school. And it was an assembly wherein the kids were not permitted to leave they, because it was meant to be like a cultural, we're sharing our culture and, you know, and all that presentation. It was like an assembly, right? Yeah. So, it, so if, if they're against any kind of banning on this, Again, they're not going to say the quiet part out loud, but it's about they are trying to influence your children. They're not satisfied with only raising their own children. Yeah. I mean, how, how can I say this um, to make my point? And I think Maggie Smith in the chat said it as uh, as I'd like to say it. The bottom line is children should be protected. I try to err on the side of safety when it comes to children. I mean, I think that's the common sense right there that I was shooting for in this whole show right. um, and talking about this, uh, you know. So now the bill goes on. Um, basically, it is sexually orientated, is defined as any depiction, description, or simulation of sexual activity, any lewd or lascivious, yeah, can't talk right now, depiction or description of human genitals or any topic involving sexual orientation, gender identity, gender dysphoria, and related subjects. Planned Parenthood, for example, is encouraging legislators and school boards around the country to implement sexual education curricula that teaches radical gender theory to children under 10. Children should be learning about reading, writing, and mathematics, not radical gender theory. I, mean, I tend to agree with that. I know the, the, the Republicans are often on the uh, case of Planned Parenthood, so I, I don't know how much Planned Parenthood is actually pushing that around the country again in my area we don't hear much about it and i don't see the i've got you know a stepkid who's in the public schools and the other kids who are in charter schools and generally we don't hear about it being pushed in our area so i assume that they're probably focusing more on you know liberal areas i'm guessing uh federal grants from the department of health and human services were recently used to fund an event in alaska where a drag queen performed for children the Department of Defense is funding drag shows for families on military bases and incorporating radical gender ideology into curricula at DOD schools. Um, I mean, you know, if the Department of Defense wants to fund drag shows on military bases. <laughs> wow. That's what we're spending our money on for Department of Defense now. Um, Did you see the recent? Um, I, I, I'm all for cutting military spending as it is, but, you know, if they're, if, they got plenty of money and they can fund drag shows. I mean, that's ridiculous. Are you familiar with the, like, did you watch the recent recruitment videos that they have for the military now? Like the, the one with the, it's like, it's like a Disney cartoon. It's literally Disney art. And it's, it's a girl who had two moms. It's like, let me get to tell you a story about a girl with two moms. And it's like, again, I'm, I'm not against lesbians, but like through the course of the story, they push really hard, you know, the lesbian part of her life. 
and then the soldier part of her life takes up maybe 10% of the video and she somehow transforms from being a daughter holding up gay marriage signs and stuff like that to suddenly becoming like GI Jane, you know? Um, and then they had another one um, that was kind of similar in its wokeness, but it was for recruiting from the CIA. And the girl says like, um, what is it? She's like, in the end, I have my anxiety problems. And, you know, they're taking care of that. And I'm like, if you have anxiety problems, why are you working for the CIA? But the idea is, is that they think that they need to be more inclusive because they aren't getting young people to join the military anymore. John Jackson says, as a two combat tour vet, the military has gone woke under the Biden regime. Um, you know, I tend to feel like this is some way of uh, bringing down a nation. You know, I feel like there's an art of war going on here. Uh, and, you know, people behind the, the scenes that are pulling these strings are not who we think they are. Uh, you know, it's back to this deep state conspiracy theory stuff. But, I mean, that's the only thing I can think of. It's just, uh, again, most parents that I know that we hang around in my local area and talk to, most of my friends, none of them support this kind of thing. Um Yet the Democrats and the news, the media tries to make it sound like that this is common and we should be okay with it. Right. And they basically, again, it, there's just a, just a flagrant denial that these things are taking place. And then if you show them the proof, then they want to ask you, well, why do you have that? <laughs> you get accused of being a pedophile for even having that. Right. Like, you know, it, it's a very interesting like direction that the conversation will take because I've got images, for example, of child drag queens. That's the aspect that they don't want to talk about, although it's not even new news. But Desmond is amazing. Lactatia. These are like eight year old boys who've been convinced to dry, you know, to dress up in some cases provocatively. There's a video of Desmond literally dancing in a gay bar, getting tips from men at the age of I think they were 11 at the time. Right. Um, you know, so it's like. There isn't a deeper aspect to this. And when you talk about how they're, you know, like feminizing the military, you know, like that was another thing that people did when they were comparing those videos is that if you look at the recruitment videos for Russia and the recruitment videos for China, they're like 80s action films, <laughs> like hyper masculine, right? You know, the people that they're looking for are going to kick your butt, right? But the people that they're pushing for in our military, you know, it kind of reminds me of like the fall of Rome. There came a point where Rome like the, the majority of the military was actually their like their slaves because the, the common Roman citizen was no longer really suited to military service. Right. So it does it does weaken the country as a whole. And, and people there are generals that are coming out and talking about that, but they have to be very quiet about it or they lose their jobs. Right. Um, you know, obesity is another one. They said that obesity is now a, a national security risk because a lot of kids are not even in a situation where they're even healthy enough to join the military. Yeah, I mean, and that's, yeah, as you and I talked about off the air the other day, the kids these days are not like when you and I grew up. I mean, the the health is one thing, the desire, the motivation. Um, I Most of the people I know in 19 and 20-year-olds, they still live at home and they're still putting together their gaming computer rather than driving a car. You know, we when I grew up, getting your license was freedom and you wanted to do it. You didn't want to stay at home in your parents' house and basement. You look forward to graduating and getting a job and getting your own apartment. And now everybody's just kind of pounding Mountain Dew and playing video games all day long. And so, yeah, I'm sure the military would definitely lack the health and support that they need to recruit. Um, in some cases, that can be good. You know, if we could end wars, that would be great. But I don't think that's where this is going. 
You know, and I agree with you, but, you know, even beyond just the issue of getting the driver's license, when was the last time you saw kids playing football in the yard? Right. Yeah. You know, and like I'm a coach for a combat sport and we have kids who can't make it through the work, the initial warm up and just decide they don't want to do it. Like, you know, and that's so as a consequence, like, what is that going to do to the nation as a whole? What does it do to people as a whole? You know, and, and kind of going back here once again to John Jackson, Desmond has been sterilized by his toxic mother and will never be able to get an erection or experience an orgasm um, because of the cross sex hormones. I agree. And and one of the things that um, that's not just them, like I did a video about Corey Mason. I did a video about a few of the others. The stuff that's being done to them is is not is not um, temporary. <laughs> and we can discuss that more on, you know, on another show, for example. Um, are you done with this article? Was there more you wanted to show? Because there's something I would just wanted to highlight real quick. Yeah, no, I'm done with that. Sorry about that. No, no, you're you're totally fine. No reason to be sorry. So I did a. Um, if you guys want to check it out, because they, again, they're in denial that this is happening. I'm not going to play it today, obviously, because it's a stream from before. But I got my hands on Portland, Oregon's kindergarten curriculum. Okay, and you can see it in this stream. We go over it in detail. You know, but again, some of the imagery is obviously not for kids. And, you know, this is it shows like what age, you know, et cetera, you know, that you should show these things to kids. And, you know, it's it, as you can see, this is all focused. That's a picture that's actually from what is a woman, um, you know. But anyway, you know, like just as how this stuff was, you know, very much geared towards trying to get kids to believe. Oh, OK, so there's there's men with vaginas, you know, like like the you know, and I think it's really important to me to be clear once again. I'm not for causing problems like, or rather there shouldn't be any bullying of gay kids who are actually gay. There shouldn't be, you know, any kind of like, you know, mistreatment of them. It should be treated like any other bullying, you know, but at the same time, you know, this idea that we almost need to create, like we need to, you know, push it in everybody's faces. That's what I think is actually going to create more danger in the long run. Like people don't talk about this, but it's like, the thing that leads us to these dangerous situations where shootings happen and such is this kind of strange behind the scenes agenda stuff where they are lying to parents, you know, and if you didn't have anything to hide, then why are you lying? Right. You know, so that puts us in a situation where parents have every reason to mistrust what's going in these schools, going on in these schools. So it doesn't even achieve what they think they want to achieve. It's not going to normalize it. It's actually going to, it's going to heighten the tensions between the Christian right and the, you know, and the LGBTQ community. There's so much of what we're doing today. You talk about like new world order is all about setting people, you know, against each other and dividing them. You know, whereas I think that we were kind of on a good progress about stuff like this. I don't, you know, I supported gay marriage, you know, gay marriage, you know, but there's a limit. <laughs> and, and that limit is you don't get access to my children to teach them what you want to teach them, you know, at least on these topics. Right. And, uh, you know, we have and I'm not going to read it on the air, but we'll post it in uh, the description in our videos, whether you're at the Liberty Unleashed channel or the uh, V radio channel. But we have the PDF here uh, online link of the uh, Florida bill and you can read it for yourself. Um, and I suggest you do, uh, you know, again, because if you trust the mainstream media and I think that's been the biggest point, if you trust social media and you trust the mainstream media, you're just going to have a complete bias that it's most likely completely wrong uh there's a, an agenda being pushed here 
And in order to avoid that, the best thing to do is, as we have always said on every radio show we've ever done, which is, you know, do your own research. So we'll post a link to this PDF. Uh, again, it's about seven pages and there's no reason for us to read it online. But if I could sum it up for you, this is the Florida House bill, which I guess was labeled as the uh, don't say gay bill. And almost everything I read in here, uh, it is really about just giving the parents the right to see the curriculum and to know what's going on. And again, it's saying from this age group to that age group, this curriculum is not acceptable. So uh, it's not a ban. Um, I don't see anything in here that says in the state of Florida, you cannot have this book or read this book. Okay. Um, And I don't see anything on speech in here as well as I skim through it. There's nothing that I can read that I've read when I've read this. It says, if you say this, we'll come to your house and arrest you. Right. So, um, again, you know, what you hear and what you, what's actually out there are two different things. And, um, so we'll post it in the uh, description so everybody can read it for themselves, but I find it interesting, you know, um, we, you had me watch it. Uh, Matt Walsh just put out that documentary. Um, what is a woman and, you know, leading into that, this is another thing that's modern day that is really shocking to me. You know, we have this thing now that sex is different than gender. And, right. you know, obviously he edited the documentary. There's a lot of editing going on there. But the, if you haven't watched it, he goes around to different places and he tries to ask different people, what is a woman? And, I, you know, I lead into this because I think this is all part of this agenda, whatever is going on to push this stuff. Um, now, again, he edited it out. So he could have asked 100 people and only showed the dozen or so that couldn't answer his question or wouldn't answer his question. But I found it amazing that he could still find that many people, including at a professional level, that wanted to kick him out of the room, tell him that the interview's over, or that they couldn't answer the uh, question um, because, you know, a woman to me is not something that it could be different to you. Uh, and I see the chat is going on about pronouns, and it's the same thing. I mean, this whole thing about pronouns all of a sudden coming into the spotlight uh, you know, again, I, in my area, it's probably a conservative area, which is why I can say that, but I have not been at a grocery store or a restaurant or anybody who's told me that, you know, my pronouns are this and you have to call me by my pronouns, but I hear about it all the time on social media. And it, it makes me wonder how these things catch on and get latched onto like that, to where they become that popular and people actually think it's okay to do that. Uh, you know, obviously Jordan Peterson got into trouble up in Canada, Uh, You know, the Canadian government basically passed a law saying, you know, you have to refer to people by their pronouns or else. Um, That's that's just fascinating to me that I mean, I guess it's not fascinating to me that government would do that kind of thing. But that's that's really getting down and really nitpicking at that point, I would think. Well, right. And I think that um, one of the things Jordan Peterson predicted was that this is compelled speech. You don't want to give the state the option to be able to start punishing people for not saying the things you want. Right. And, you know, videos come up all the time. Articles come up like the person who put together a swastika using the pride flag. He got visited by British police, like just for posting that on Twitter. Right. You know, um, somebody who said something negative about AOC got a visit from police like, you know, stuff like that, like that, that, that heads down a road, folks. It's a slippery slope. Right. And it's not a direction. It's not something that uh, an ability that you want the state to have. Because you think it's great if it's working out just fine if you think you're in control of the state, right? But it can and will be turned around on you in ways that you don't like eventually. And you're starting to see that. Like, 
there's an interesting ha thing happening on the left right now. I don't know if you've been following, but for example, the Young Turks, Anna Kasparian is taking a lot of crap right now because she doesn't want to be called a birthing person because she's, a, you know, she's not on board with a lot of the other leftist ideas. So people are starting to get it. They're starting to wake up. And, you know, what I think behooves the conservatives is that when people on the left start to realize that this is wrong and when they take the courageous step to stand up to it, you need to support those people. You may disagree with them about other things, but if there are people that are taking the stand against that stuff, you need to support those people. When I did the video about Kyle Rittenhouse, I alienated probably about 70% of my audience at that time, but it was the right thing to do, right? And so in as a consequence, as conservatives, you guys need to recognize that there are more reasonable left-leaning people who maybe you don't agree about healthcare, maybe you don't agree, you know, about, uh, I don't know, college or something, right? But on these issues that I feel are really important, especially censorship, when somebody comes around to, you know, to standing up against that, make sure that you support that person, at least in that issue, you know, and recognize that. So um, in any case, uh, there was, was there more on this topic you wanted to discuss before I bring up that, uh, um, the article about the uh, debates? Well, uh, I, yeah, I think we're leading into that anyway. Um, John Jackson said that burning an American flag is free speech, but burning a rainbow flag is a hate crime. It's a it's a very great point. He put hate crime in uh, quotes, but I think, you know, he's making a very good point there uh, in that. It's interesting that, it, it, that it's that way. Um, you know, as we lead into what you're talking about with the debates and everything, uh, that was going to be my point. I think, you know, when I asked where these pronouns and where this stuff is coming from, Aside from uh, an agenda from people behind the scenes, uh, I think colleges, I mean, you know, for as long as I can remember, colleges have been very socialist or very communist in general and very anti-American. And, you know, I think a lot of this comes out of there as well. And, you know, it gets very popular. Social media has obviously helped people reach more people around the country and around the world. And so I think ideas can spread differently now than they could have, you know, 20, 30 years ago because of that. But uh, college campus and the education that, that there were the teachers there, I think, play a big part in this. I really do. Well, and when you look at what Yuri Bezmenov warned us about, like back in what, the early 80s, late 70s, he told us that there was an effort that was going to take place to try to radicalize the, the college campuses and to make them as communist as possible. And, and the funny thing is, is that, again, like I just had a, a leftist, like lifelong leftist, feminist lesbian on my show, Lear Keith. And, you know, she talked about this because um, her family's from Russia. She has family that is dead because of Joseph Stalin. And to her, she's like, who the hell is teaching these kids that authoritarian communism is OK? Because that's not the left I'm part of. And I've been doing this a long time. Right. Yeah. Well, and you know, we're going to be doing our next show, I believe, on gun control. And, you know, to preface that, one of the things that's coming out of the colleges is their new interpretation of the Second Amendment. Right. I agree. You know, and, and not that they're <laughs> they're not happy with the First Amendment either. In fact, a lot of them are just anti-Constitution altogether. The Constitution is a horrible document. You know, if you notice that that prevalence that we have is like, you know, that that's what's up is that they, they don't they're not even happy with the Constitution itself. That's why. There's a very anti-American sentiment behind all of this that a lot of people don't see. And if you go to the right channels, you can get them to say the quiet part out loud. That's why when people are so freaked out about January 6th being a quote-unquote insurrection, I'm like, have you seen Antifa flyers that they share? Have you seen any of them? 
Because they openly call for overthrowing the government. Uh, Americans don't even know what an insurrection is. We haven't had an insurrection in this country. I mean, I just, that term, again, it's another left, and they pound it home very hard on on uh, social media, um, the Democrats. And, you know, it's it's amazing how many people fall for this. But go ahead. You've got, you've no, got something interesting going on here. Well, well right. My, my point is just to say that the far left, alt-left, um, Antifa, BLM, all of them have literally openly stated, and by BLM, I'm talking about the fact that the three founders are openly trained Marxists, um, that like one of the, like Hawk Newsom, who's the leader of BLM in New York City, just straight up said, if this, if this system won't give us what we want, we will burn it down and replace it and all of that. There's an extremely anti-government sentiment. And the only reason Antifa is not storming the Capitol is because they can't. It's not because they wouldn't. Right. Um, ironically, uh, on a flyer that was put out, and I've done a show about this in the past, so I don't have it on hand, but on a flyer that was put out to recruit people for the first Antifa protest in Portland, right after Joe Biden was elected, had an image of a burning White House and that they don't want Biden and then land back now. And then they went and attacked Dem Dem <laughs> Then they went and attacked DNC headquarters in Portland, Oregon, you know, and broke windows and stuff like that. I'm like, if, you know, but anyway, it was a mild segue, but I just want to get into the fact, and I agree with you, January 6th, defining that as an insurrection is kind of silly, but the idea that they're supposedly so concerned about it, but at the same time, they don't say anything about Antifa that literally believes that they're going to conquer the country eventually through radicalizing people. And it all goes back to the original Weather Underground, who is influencing those people now. And I'm going to be doing, I had taken a break from my doc research for the Weather Underground, but... People have got to look at the history. There was a 60s armed militant, well, group that they were blowing things up, right? Called the Weather Underground. And the same rhetoric that was coming out of their mouth was coming out of, is coming out of the Antifa people now. Um, and there's another Project Veritas did a great video sting where they had a high school teacher who had an Antifa flag, a pride flag, and a picture of Chairman Mao up on his wall. It was a standard high school teacher, right? Um, you know, and he was just gushing all about china and how great china is and how he was happy that he felt china was going back to like more maoist thinking and all of that and again he was doing this in his classroom he was giving kids credit for going to antifa protests so yes it's not a conspiracy theory there absolutely is a deep strangely tanky communist movement that's trying to infiltrate the college campuses yeah. You know, in the 2008 through 2012, in our Ron Paul days when we were doing radio shows and we would talk about the New World Order and, you know, America was the last standing country that they needed to really get their grip around before they could institute the New World Order. I don't think we, we predicted everything to be probably via war and economics. And I, I feel like we were completely wrong on that. And they're going after moral and the morals of a country they're going after the things we've talked like we talked about on this show and it's interesting because i don't think really many of us thought about it back then we really just thought it was like war and economics would how how they would come at us or that they would turn off the internet we were worried about that <laughs> right yeah exactly no they, it, they like us having the internet they can they can no, they, send all their propaganda out to us that way well and that was what we discussed on our previous show that people can also find when we had kind of a North Virginia Patriots reunion show. You guys can go back and watch our stream about the topic of the, the social dilemma and the creepy line documentary where we talk about how these algorithms are literally written for the purposes of trying to create division among people. 
And I go over the same thing in one of my videos specifically about why are they panicking about Elon Musk buying Twitter? And the reason why is because, well, as we found with the Twitter files, they were controlling Twitter and they were using it to try to control people's minds. And the election, and, yeah. Right, and the election, yes. And um, there are scientific studies that were drafted, that were actually ordered by the government. And this was reported by mainstream media that stated that if you can convince about 25% of a given population of an idea, that it will slowly through like a social chain reaction um, become the accepted view, right? And so what they are hoping to do, because then that same group of people then asked a private company to write a program that would create armies of fake accounts, was that they wanted to sway public opinion with it. It was reported on, I believe it was ABC and was also reported on The Guardian. So it's not like, that sounds like an Alex Jones tinfoil hat story, but it's not. It was mainstream media covered um, that that was what they were doing. And then they said, well, don't worry, folks, we only use this in like, Arabic countries and third world countries. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah, of course you're that. not using that. Right. Of course. So anyway, so getting onto this, um, the at high school debate debate is no longer allowed. This is another example. And the funny thing is, is I showed this to leftist anarchist friends of mine that, you know, and they were aghast at this concept that what they can do, meaning they don't support this at national tournaments, judges are making their stances clear. Students who argue capitalism can reduce poverty or Israel has a right to defend itself will lose. No questions asked. I mean, it, it's no surprise to me that schools and colleges don't want you defending capitalism. That that doesn't surprise me at all. But go ahead. Well, right. And, and what I'm getting at here is this just the notion that you can do this. That's why it's like, for example, Derek Jensen immediately shared this article and said, this is disgusting. Right. Yes. You, you can't just decide that you're going to completely. So now you're going to auto lose. Like, what is the whole point of going to debate? If you're only going to allow one side of the conversation to speak, it's not a debate anymore. It's propaganda. Like, at that point, if that's the case, you've essentially staged the debate. Like, you know, it's like a WWE wrestling match because you're not going to allow the side that actually, you know, like, you know, it, well, one of the sides is automatically losing and you already know that going into it. So if you're not going to allow these kinds of concepts, capitalism can reduce poverty. I have my issues with capitalism. I don't think it's perfect. It doesn't change the fact that there's by no means in any way would I ever want this to be normalized, that you can decide to just arbitrarily tell a kid, nope, you're automatically wrong. Or Israel has a right to defend itself. That's another one of my favorites, which mind you, I think the situation in Israel sucks, you know, but I remember Andrew Yang had a state made this statement and then the woke left jumped all over him in his mayor in his mayoral run in New York. And didn't and felt he wasn't a good candidate. And then within the next and then in the next couple of weeks, we're basically smooching all over Liz Cheney, who has the same attitude, I might add, because she dared to talk bad about Trump. She was stunning and brave. So the left also has a short memory, you know. But anyway, for four my four years on a high school debate team in Broward County, Florida, taught me to challenge ideas, questions, assumptions, and think outside the box. It has also helped me overcome a terrible childhood stutter. And I wasn't half bad. I placed ninth in my first time at the National Speech and Debate Association Nationals, sixth at the Harvard National, and was a runner-up at the Emory National. After college, between 2017 and 2019, I coached a debate team at an underprivileged high school in Miami. There, I witnessed the, witnessed the pillars of high school debate start to crumble. Since then, the decline has continued, from a competition that rewards evidence and reasoning to one that punishes students for what they say and how they say it. First, some background. Imagine a high school sophomore on the debate team. She's been given her topic about a month in advance, 
but she won't know why who i'm sorry who her judge is until hours before her debate round during that time squeeze perhaps she'll place the halls or pace the halls as i did at the 2012 national tournament in indianapolis she'll scroll on her scroll on her phone and look up at her judge's name on tab room a public database maintained by the nsda that's where judges post paradigms which explain what they look for during a debate if a judge prefers competitors not to spread speak a mile a minute debaters will will moderate their pace if a judge emphasizes impacts the reason why an argument matters debaters adjust accordingly but let's say when the high school sophomore clicks tab tab room she sees that her judge is leela lavender the 2019 national debate champion whose paradigm reads quote before anything else including being a debate judge i am a marxist leninist maoist oh wow I cannot check the revolutionary proletarian science at the door when I'm judging. I will no longer evaluate and thus never vote for rightist, capitalist, imperialist positions and arguments. Examples of arguments of this nature are as follows. Fascism good, capitalism good, imperialism war good, neoliberalism good, defenses of U.S. or otherwise bourgeoisie nationalism, Zionism or normalizing Israel, colonialism good, U.S. white fascist policing good. How does that sophomore feel as she walks into her debate round? How will knowing that information about the judge change the way she makes her case? Traditionally, high school students have encountered a judge like former West Point debater Henry Smith, whose paradigm asks students to focus on clarity over speed and reminds them that every argument should explain exactly how they win the debate. And I'm going to cut up here in a second. In the past few years, however, judges with paradigms tainted by politics and ideology are becoming common. So at this point, if you've just openly stated that if you say any of these things, you are disqualified, this is like wrong think policing, right? You know, I'm not even going to listen to what you have to say. You are automatically wrong. And I think that honestly, this brings me back to what AOC said, which is deplatforming works. These people just, they don't want to argue anymore. That's why this, this woman is placing herself as a debate judge. She doesn't want this to be something you're allowed to argue about. She wants you to be able to be silenced for daring to disagree on these topics. Well, nobody who is, I can't imagine anybody who agrees with the type of philosophy she does wants to hear any other point of view because all these other point of views will point out how your point of view is wrong. Right. Um, you know, it's just, you. there's a person I follow on Twitter who is uh, from Cuba and speaks out a lot about communism and, you know, particularly Cuban communism and the amount of people who come in in support of communism but they won't debate her they'll just basically tell her that she sucks and then unfollow her and leave and block her and that's it um and you know her take on it is every time she posts something like that that these people probably never have been to cuba and live there like she has and they don't want their belief challenged you know it's that cognitive uh, bias that's going on right and to go further into the article, they say another debate judge, Christy Sharma, concurs under her list of the things that will cause you to automatically lose. Number three is referring to immigrants as illegal. Now, we can make judgments about what our immigration policy should or should not be. But if you're here illegal, you're illegal. <laughs> like th this is one of these situations where it's like we're going to 1984 change the meanings of words, you know, or punish people for using terms that they don't like it, this. So this makes you automatically lose. OK, are they legal? Are they illegal? Explain to me how they're not illegal if they're here in, an, in a manner that is contradictory to what our laws say. Again, not debating the merits, 
of open borders versus not open borders. We'll but get just, into that on another show. Right, sure. But simply suggesting that you should automatically lose the debate automatically if you use this term at all. Again, this is no longer debate. This is let me teach you how to properly engage in, you know, communicating my point of view to the world and nothing else is allowed. <laughs> Some people need to go through what Brittany Grenier went through to cherish America. Isn't that the truth? Right. Was that one of the comments? Yeah. Steel Stargazer. <laughs> Steel Stargazer is one of my regulars. Yep. Yep. I agree. And, you know, so I guess this is one of the reasons, folks, that I say you guys have to be vigilant because this is a process that it's like the frog in the boiling water. You get, you just, you give up just a little bit more you give up just a little bit more and then it gets more and more normalized that you're not allowed to say certain things. It's like, in fact, I feel bad because I use the term LGBTQ. Lear Keith pointed out, stop using that term. <laughs> she's, and she's a lesbian. She's like, cause LGB is no longer TQ automatically anymore. And, but if they repeat that crap often enough, then you start to get into Carmen parlance. It's the same thing with the definition of racism. They're lying trying to create a new version of racism that only people with power can be racist so that they can change the, the way that people talk. And I bring this up all the time because once again, left-leaning guy, Orwell was a socialist. He wrote 1984 and Animal Farm to warn socialists that this is how authoritarianism can weasel its way into your life. And he also wrote that if you enter a situation where there's a prohibition on objective truth, that that is a sign that some authoritarian form of government or you know, movement is trying to take hold. And that's exactly what you're doing when you're suggesting that, no, that word doesn't mean this, it means this, right? You're trying to remove objective truth from the situation. And that's that plays into the trans thing, that plays into so many other things, because the idea is, is that they, they want you to believe you have a right to your own truth, right? And that comes back to the new, I made a video about this and people poo-pooed on it because they didn't like the new Matrix film. But in the new Matrix film, the Wachowskis did what they always do. And they found, because they didn't want to do the movie, I might add. The Wachowskis actually were like, no, we're done with that. But they were told that if they didn't do the film, that they were, they were just going to do it without them. So if you endure the most of the film, you get to the point where the villain says this concept. The villain says, well, of course, we want everything to be based on emotions. It is much easier to manipulate emotions than it is to manipulate facts, right? So if they can get society to give up on objective truth, if they can get society to be ruled entirely by their emotions, you know, all you got to do to watch people being manipulated by their emotions is go back to the evergreen protests and watch these people, you know, lynching Brett Weinstein and being completely irrational as they do it. They like irrational people a lot better because they're much easier to control. Do you have any thoughts on that? I probably have a million thoughts on that. Um, yeah, I, you know, I find it fascinating how, uh, you know, in some countries, people were born into it. You know, you, you know, if you look at oppressive countries like Cuba or or North Korea, I mean, you really you're indoctrinated from day one. What fascinates me is a country like America, where the whole concept is freedom. You know, we're supposed to be the land of the free, and how many people still want to be controlled still feel like they need this authority body over them telling them what to do 
Um, I think sometimes, again, we go back to that like cognitive dissonance where they're just afraid to be wrong and admit that they were wrong. So they continue going down that same path rather than saying, oh, yeah, maybe this isn't going to work. Maybe it shouldn't be this way. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's always fascinating to me. You know, and I, I think that one of the things that I try to do on this channel, and it's one of the reasons why I'm eating my channel specifically I don't do a whole lot of content about right versus left at this point because I'm a little more worried about people surrendering their ability to think. And this is an example. Do not allow your society to determine debate outcomes based entirely on the ideology of the person debating. You, this is an example of trying to control your ability to think. If, if they're going to decide, well, no, we're automatically right, and now we're the appointed judges, so we get to determine that. If they get to decide what you can and cannot post on Twitter, et cetera, et cetera, the whole objective there is to try to control the narrative so that they can get their hands on that 25% of the population to try to change the way, you know, try to change the way people think on a given topic. Yes. And, that's, and it does not have positive effects. Like all of these um, black activists have been convinced that they can't be racist. They end up becoming extremely racist, right? But you know, doesn't, it, doesn't it shock you that it takes that small percentage to start swaying other people? Um, you know, that as we talked about those documentaries, The Creepy Line and The um, Social Dilemma, what they talked about, I believe it was The Creepy Line, was Google adjusting the news articles um, if they put it in favor of a per, like the top three in favor of one politician and, the, and then four and five in favor of another slowly as long as that stays there people will start to favor the that person in the top three even if they like the other person before and i mean to me that that just screams sheep mentality um i don't know how else to describe it we used to always call them sheeple on our radio shows in the past but to be able to be swayed that easy um i find that concerning and interesting at the same time um, most of the people, you know, when I talk to you, other people that we hung around with in the Ron Paul movement, I think that's why we like talking to them so much is because they were the people who couldn't be swayed just because other people around them were like that. Uh, I mean, and you know how much, uh, verbal abuse we took back then when we would talk about things, um, particularly, you know, the Iraq war wanting to end that. And how every Republican out there called you whatever name in the book they could because they thought it was completely justified to be there. Uh, and it's still interesting to find out how many of them still won't admit that it was a mistake, uh, even though they know it in their minds. So, you know, when you talk about 25 percent of the people, you sway 25 percent of them and that will slowly help get a higher percentage, you know, over to that way of thinking. Um, it's scary. It, that's the best way I could describe it. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a sad state of humanity when that's the case. So we have a question for you from the audience. Um, what do you think of Ramaswamy and RFK Jr.? I'm not sure about Ramaswamy. I'm not who that is. Um, RFK Jr. Uh, I find interesting. He's got, there's times where he can sound like a libertarian and other times where he can sound, you know, like a solid Democrat. Um, I, I first really started following him. This was before the COVID pandemic. And when I say follow him, I don't mean as a supporter, just following him and what he's saying. Um, he was on um, the high wire with Dell Bigtree and, you know, they were doing this episode about the vaccines, uh, not COVID vaccines, but the, uh, the other vaccines that are out there. And of course the autism 
that was going on and how the pharmaceutical companies were suppressing the data. The CDC was manipulating the data on it and it was higher than what people were saying. And I thought that, you know, when he, when he was doing that, he was in his element. I thought he was great. Um, you know, obviously right now from what I hear about him and the second amendment, I'm not too, um, excited about when it comes to that. Um, I guess in this case, you kind of take some of the good with the bad. If you want my, uh, my honest opinion, I'll take him over Biden in a second. So, you know, just like I would have, I've never any, never been a fan of most of the Democrat candidates out there, but I would have taken Bernie Sanders over Biden and I definitely would take RFK Jr. over Biden in a second. Uh, would I take RFK Jr. over DeSantis? That's, that's hard to tell. I mean, you know, I, I think they both have their, you know, you can agree with them on this point and disagree with them on that point. Um, and, you know, I'd obviously go with the libertarian candidate most likely at that point. But yeah, I mean, what I really liked about RFK Jr. was his fight against the pharmaceutical companies. That was probably the biggest thing for me. I really liked how he took that on. Uh, he took a lot of abuse for it, obviously. The pharmaceutical companies have big money and, you know, really just blasted him and put him through the ringers as far as that goes. And uh, a lot of respect to him for, for not backing down. So, I mean, you know, in that case, I like him. Again, some of his other policies that I've heard I'm not a big fan of. When it comes, I don't know anything about the uh, Ramaswamy. Me neither. I'll have to look that up after the um, show. RFK Jr. I've been watching. Um, I know that when I was working for the Jesse Ventura campaign, there was conversation about the possibility of the two of them running together. Um, that would have been pretty awesome. I don't know. Interesting if for sure. Yeah, I don't know if Jesse can do it anymore. I wish he had done it way back in like 2016 would have probably been the best year for him. But um, I know uh, the funny thing is, is like it's just like when he was being interviewed on Breaking Points. And I might add that I have in the past and I'm going to do a video about this recommended crystal and sager and i still kind of do but the the last straw for me on crystal from breaking points was was her interviewing rfk jr and like interrupting him and like just talking over him literally just talking like an msnbc journalist like she used to be um when bringing up the subject of vaccines now i want to be clear i'm not a general anti-vaxxer like I do have concerns about the, the modern ones. And I discussed these issues with Brett Weinstein when I interviewed him. You guys can find that in the history of the channel. Um, but, you know, as he pointed out to Crystal, I'm not leading with that. Like, that's that's not like it's my biggest priority. Like, it's not like he's going to walk in the door as president and sign an executive order making vaccines illegal or something. No, what I and my point was just the respect that he got for not backing down. I mean, he had a sure. lot against him and he stayed stayed the course and that's that's very rare for a lot of politicians i mean you got ron paul and a couple others who didn't back down after all the abuse they took and you know most of them start changing their opinion or at least stop being vocal about it out loud once they start getting that kind of uh, attention and particularly you know run through the ringers like they get and i and i would also say overall though um the majority of the message coming out of RFK Jr., it makes him my personal front runner as things stand currently. But um, there isn't going to be. I mean, the, the DNC is likely just going to ignore him. Yeah, together. that's my, my prediction as well. The same thing with Marianne Williamson. And they've just they, they finally had what they wanted. But I mean, I got to remind people that way back in 2016, when 
the Bernie Sanders people sued the DNC for rigging their primary um, against Bernie Sanders that they defended themselves in federal court during a lawsuit by pointing out that political parties are not governed by the Constitution. They're not legal entities. They are private entities and that they are free to skew the situation as much as they like. In and fact, they have. Right. Yes, they have. And as they pointed out during they, the art, the lawyers argued this. They said, we can draw a name out of a hat and pick our nominee. And during 2016, when they were getting a lot of pushback, they were sometimes they would say the quiet part out loud. Like, well, it's not actually meant to be a democratic process, like about the nomination for the Democratic Party. You know, and it's it's just a straw poll was their way of saying, well, at the end of the day, we're going to pick who we want anyway. Right. You know, and, and that is definitely a um a point that has to be understood to people and i that i also like to point out well people will go well, that's just the corruption of the of the democratic party and i'm like the republican party is not better in this regard they they would have loved to have gotten rid of trump right but he made it very clear if you guys screw me i'll run third party and if he had done that there was no way Hillary was beating. And well, and not only that, right, exactly. And that's been the whole thing. Don't vote third party. This election, every election's too important to vote third party because, you know, you'll take votes away from this candidate or that candidate and this candidate will get elected. Um, you know, and, and to start the show, that's what I said. I'm not a defender of the Republicans. They're, can be just as bad as the Democrats. And I think that's something to point out, you know, when we go through all the social media and talk about topics like we did today, you know, right now the topic was basically the Democrats loudly saying, ban, ban, ban. Republicans have their way of doing things like that too. And we got to remember that both of them get together and make sure that the third parties could not be on the debate stage, have trouble getting ballot access. Um, we're really supposed to believe we only have two choices. And as I said, earlier in the show, everything that disagrees with the Democrat party, that may mean you're a MAGA extremist. Um, you can't be a libertarian or independent. They don't exist. You're a MAGA extremist. And, you know, anybody who's like RFK Jr., um, who's not uh, a Democrat extremist, uh, I think, you know, like you said, they're just going to ignore them. Uh, they didn't want people like Ron Paul because he wasn't like Mitt Romney and them, the war hawks that they were when it came to the Republicans. And, you know, same thing with the Democrats, you know, RFK is not going to push the kind of agenda that Biden's trying to push. And therefore, you know, they have no time for him. Right. And that's and that was another point that I usually bring up is to go a little further into history is that, yeah, the Republican Party was trying really hard to screw Ron Paul. Like that's no, they didn't try, they did it. Yeah, they, they and you know, I always bring up the the debates, for example, that they tried to keep Ron Paul out of a given debate, and then they said, Well, um, you don't poll high enough. And then the Ron Paul campaign pointed out that Ron Paul was polling higher than Rudy Giuliani literally everywhere, yet they insisted on putting Giuliani up on the stage all the time. And he was a terrible candidate. <laughs> yeah, you know, so it's just nonsense. Don't let either of these parties. You know, that, that's one of the reasons why you see this art, folks. What am, what am I doing here? I'm beheading the Republican and the Democrat, okay? <laughs> like, it, that, that's one of the reasons why, again, I don't really get into much right versus left on this show, like my show specifically, because of the fact that we have bigger problems. And I think those problems are represented by the two heads that you see beheaded on the guillotine. You know, and I don't, and by the way, I want to be clear, this is, this is just a, an image that is an allegory. I don't in, in any way suggest violence. 
but the but the concepts <laughs> of these two parties need to be beheaded and gotten rid of. Yeah, I, I mean exactly, um, and that's you know I, as our sh- weekly show goes on, you're gonna do, uh, they're gonna hear that a lot. Uh, I really come from the uh, it's it's always about freedom to me, particularly individual rights. And, um, you know, I wish America could be the country we claim to be as far as land of the free goes. And so that's been, you know, the goal of this episode and and many others is just to point out the blatant strategy, lying strategy that they had to try to convince people to vote one way or to support them. And I mean, honestly, we talk so much about, you know, the LGBT I, I can't even remember the whole acronym. I'm sorry, but uh, all that. And I think a lot of this, you know, these pronouns and, you know, uh, sex and gender are different are again, as we've always talked about a, a distraction from what they're really doing, how they're really screwing us when it comes to, to the political elites. Um, they're, they're happy that we're arguing about pronouns and, and gay rights rather than all the other stuff that's going on. Um, I mean, Americans are you pretty much oblivious to our foreign policy and the things we're doing around the world. We really don't have debates and conversations about the wastefulness and the corruption in government spending. Um, I mean, you know, the same thing. We could have done a whole episode today on just how the uh, on social media it's, um, you know, the Democrats are out saying, oh, the Republicans want us to default on the debt. And they just want to give tax breaks to the rich. And that's all. That's all they care about. And then the Republicans are coming out and saying, you know, all the Democrats want to do is, you know, allocate money for this or that program. And really, they're both. It's a smokescreen. They, they both are just misspending the money. They, they take in plenty of money. And what they want you to believe is that they have to take more from you in order to accomplish their goals. And they love it when we debate anything else but the things that they're doing wrong. Well, yeah, and that that's a really interesting point. Um, it, it okay in, in the video that I did about the the useful idiots of communism, I started with a video of Vladimir Putin discussing how they watch with bemusement as the wokeness infects the United States. Like they're laughing at us because he said this is what we did in the Soviet Union, and it was stupid then, right? So if Vladimir Putin can be more right about this, you know, maybe you should consider for a moment that the ex-KGB guy might know something about what he's talking about. Do I believe he was sincere? Not necessarily, but it goes along with what Yuri was saying earlier, right? You know, I think that going forward, you know, I hope that what people can get from this broadcast, aside from the fact that we have some diverse opinions on many topics, is that We agree on a lot of things more than we might disagree. And that's one of the reasons why I introduced people to the political compass on my show was so that they recognize that most people actually have a libertarian bent on a lot of things, maybe left, maybe right. But most people are not authoritarian, right? Um, But the far left, the alt left wants you to believe that anybody who is not them in this upper left hand corner is everyone else's far right, right? That's, again, people trying to control your thinking, control what you support, control who you support. You know, and one of the things I want to say um, is if there are questions from the audience, do feel free to ask them, guys, as we go on. I enjoy engaging with the audience. I don't like YouTubers who kind of ignore their audience. Um, I appreciate Super Chats when you give them, but they are not a requirement for me. Um, I did just put up a poll, but it's only in the V Radio channel right now. Who is better on the book banning issue, Democrats or Republicans? Currently, 
Republicans are winning by 70%. There are 30% of the votes out of 10 that say 30% for Democrats, which the reason that this makes me happy is only that it shows that there is a diversity of opinions in the group of people that are listening to what we're saying. And that's actually what I'm hoping for on my stream. I feel like when you word it that way, we still keep the word ban going when that should be eliminated from this. I mean, we, we, we need to that, ban the word ban. Yeah, that was the whole point of this show was that it's not a ban. You know, you I, I did put it in quotes, books. if that helps. Yeah. <laughs> so between Wait. Lier telling me stop saying LGBTQ and you saying stop saying ban, um, you know, yeah, I agree. And that is right, I, and then it's a point that we got to really nail down. It's just that nobody's suggesting that we go to Barnes and Noble and prevent this book from being sold to anybody nobody's doing that nor would either of us ever support that and honestly i don't even think republicans are asking for that it kind of comes down to if you don't like this thing if you want this thing go buy it right well you know and if you want your children to be exposed to that thing go buy it for them you right. know i i handled this issue with my own kids and they came out being tolerant of people's other you know other people's sexuality uh, but also being totally colorblind about race. And when I had to explain racism to them, they thought it was the most silly, preposterous concept they'd ever heard of. Right? How are Republicans better about banning? What do you mean about that? I'm reading this. Better on the banning book issue. <laughs> well, They're I, I better guess... at banning than the Democrats are. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's more just like on the issue of book banning, who, who's more in the right? But, you know, again, it's, it's definitely a diverse opinion. So we got 14 votes out of 22 people online right now. Most of my people listen later, unfortunately, but that's the nature of the internet. So um, was there anything else you wanted to cover, Brian, before we're done for the day? Well, obviously I would, you know, since I'm getting back on the air here and we're doing a weekly radio show, would encourage everybody to head over and give me a uh, subscribe, hit that subscribe button on my channel if they would. Um, you know, obviously if you would like to tune in next week, which we hope you do, uh, I believe we're going to go into the topic of uh, gun control. Obviously, every year we have to deal with uh, mass shooters and the news on that. Uh, we have to deal where, you know, I see nonstop on Twitter, just like I do with the uh, book banning thing, you know, that right now all these guns type of guns need to be banned. And um, I think there's a lot of misunderstanding of the Second Amendment that's out there. And, you know, it's, uh, it's a topic that I've been passionate about for many years. And obviously, uh, I think we can make a good show out of it. And so, yeah, I hope everybody tunes in next week. We'll look at uh, six o'clock Eastern time again on Sunday for that uh, topic as well. And uh, it's great to be back doing a radio show with you, man. It's been it's been too long. No, I, think I, the agree. Last, I think uh, when you and I checked the last time, it might have been like 14 years ago that we did a, yeah. a full radio show together, not just kind of, you know, cameo appearances here and there. You know, but, and it's uh, interesting when I watch that, because like, did you notice that um, Jordan Peterson just interviewed um Oh, that girl that Ray had a crush on. What was her name? Naomi Wolf. Naomi Wolf. <laughs> and the whole time I'm like, oh my goodness, it's Naomi Wolf being interviewed by Jordan Peterson. We interviewed her back in like 2008. You know, you, you know she's she's another one who's been taking a beating from the feminist groups and people, and mostly because when she's wrong, she comes out and admits it. And um, you know, she did that recently with the COVID and her stance on COVID. Uh, she's done it before with, uh, you know, her stance on subjects, uh, not to get into everything about Naomi Wolf now, but um, I don't agree with her on a lot of stuff. You know, she's more left leaning than I am, but I respect her because when she's wrong, she comes out and says it. 
And I think that makes my point of this cognitive uh, dissonance or bias that people have where they just don't want to admit that their position was wrong once they take a position on something. And so the same groups that she was popular in all of a sudden ostracize her because she changes her position and says, look, I've looked into this more and I've turns out I was wrong. Um, so, you know, agree or not disagree with her, but you got to give her respect for that. Well, she was the leftist who was writing books about this. What was it like the seven steps to fascism? Uh, you know, is uh, I have the book actually. It was the nine steps, I believe, to um, a police state. Oh, okay, to a like police that. state, right? Yeah. So the point is, is, she was sounding the alarm, and it was because of the Bush administration at the time, right? And the Patriot Act, yep. And, right, and the yeah. Patriot Act, and now she's concerned about authoritarianism in the left, so they turned on her. Uh -huh. It's like, well, uh, no, I was always anti-authority, guys. Um, sorry, you know, or rather abuse of authority, but still, you know, um, and so but I want to say to my viewers right now, um, I've been working on and off with Brian over the years, you know, literally since the beginning. And so if you have not had an opportunity, I've put a link to his channel in the description. I've also put like his at like, you know, thing that if you can click on in the description of this show, like as far as the name of it, go check out his channel, give him a subscription. He's like a slightly writer version of me on a lot of slightly topics. Writer? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Much writer. <laughs> uh, I'm always right. Guys, right. Yeah. And so, and so you guys, but however, those of you, especially since a lot of my viewers are right leaning and just tolerate my left leaning views, you know, I think that you guys will like Brian's topics quite a lot. So, and, and yeah, I appreciate that. And just like Neil does other shows um, without me during, throughout the week or months, I'll be doing, uh, you know, some independent shows. I'm, I'm getting back into the game. And uh, so, you know, I'll have uh, shows where I have uh special guest on where, you know, Neil couldn't make it or be a part of. And then of course we'll do, Neil and I will do our weekly shows here. And uh, if you've ever heard us get into it, we're going to have some subjects coming up where him and I go, go back and forth and you'll, you'll definitely enjoy it for sure. Right. For sure. And, you know, again, also, if you guys are interested in the libertarian stuff, if a lot of you guys really liked it when I brought Spike Cohen on. Okay. So Spike and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you and Spike Cohen are probably very similar on a lot of things, right? I would say, yeah. I mean, from what I know about Spike, yeah. Yeah. When I did my interview with Spike Cohen, my audience really liked it. So if you guys like that content, you should definitely like Liberty Unleashed. So I hope that you guys will check it out. Um, I'm available on like multiple streaming services. And I know Brian's intending on creating channels for multiple streaming services too, which is the reason why I suggest as of now... All I have is his YouTube channel, but you're going to be making a website for your specific show brand too, right? Yeah, I'll be doing that. And obviously I'll be putting uh, content up there from your show and others. As you and I talked about, we want to spread the love and other creators out there that uh, are putting content out that, that we enjoy. So I think, you know, I'm going to make sure that we get that put together so we can really spread the love of all the content creators out there that, that we think people should hear and listen to. And that's something that I'm going to be uh, looking at uh, going forward also is like one of the things you said, like you want to share the love that used to just be what creators did. Like yeah. you're an eyes generation. We all did it. Right. You know, like everybody knew like, God, like this will blow your mind. It was like, what was it? Non-servium, um, the eternal optimist, like it, optimist or whatever, like all these different uh -huh. shows that we used to promote and they would all promote us. That used to just be what happened. And nowadays it's not quite like that. And that's unfortunate. So, We'll make sure like you guys can check out Strategic Eyes, check out Logical Checkmate. I have a bunch of channels that I have featured on my 
um, down below. I'll actually throw Liberty Unleashed in there too. Um, you know, so, you know, John again, Jackson, uh, search Jordan page pendulum music video. And when that comes up on the search, you'll find the Liberty Unleashed. I'm one of the guys who made a video for him. Uh, you can also search um, Tom Mullen, M-U-L-L-E-N, an invisible hand. I made a video for that. So I know, um, yeah, I'm pretty much shadow banned on uh, YouTube. It's hard to find me. Um, there's a video game, I guess, out there that was made some time ago also called Liberty Unleashed. So I think a lot of that comes up as well. Um, I guess you're just going to have to to ride the wave, so to speak. And, and hopefully when people are searching that, they'll run into you. So that brings me, though, to Yeah, this he pointed my, out it's Liberty Unleashed TV. Sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, no problem. So this is my HY page. Um, it's just a simple set of links. And the reason why I suggest you guys check this out is that it has my Rumble, my Odyssey, my BitChute. I'm also on multiple different podcast mediums. I think like a half dozen. You can join my Facebook page. Even if you don't like using Facebook, I do the at everyone and then just post links to when I'm going live because a lot of people do not get my notifications. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm very active there, but I am shadow banned on Twitter. So if you want to see anything from me on Twitter, you're going to have to literally manually put it in yourself. If you want to support the show financially, you can do so on Patreon, PayPal, or Subscribestar. I'm not really pushing that right now because now I'm actually not doing so bad financially. So if you guys are having any kind of problems financially, don't worry about it right now. I'll ask when I really need it. Like the community really came together thanks to Winning Reality, another channel I want to give a shout out to. They did kind of a telethon for me to help me earn the money that I needed to be able to fix my house so that I can get in and out of it with my wheelchair. Um, we didn't get a ramp, but what we did do is we got a railing that is sturdy enough that'll hold me up. So once again, um, I'm okay now, though. So don't worry about me as far as that. You can also get me on Telegram. And this Discord channel, I really want to push this Discord channel, folks. You're going to find a diversity of opinion there. Again, the only major rule, aside from no spam, is no personal attack. Just don't attack each other. Don't call each other meanie names. You guys can disagree with each other till the cows come home. Just be aware of the fact that sometimes that means that you may have to sometimes end a debate with agree to disagree because you're not going to agree. <laughs> it's that simple i have a getter account haven't done much with it i just got on kick which is like a new stream and then obviously i have a tiktok channel too i don't put a ton on it but i put all of my youtube shorts what's few i've made over there and the reason i suggest you do this guys is aside from the fact that it's best to have redundancy so far as like you know if you use any of these mediums but when neo unrealist a longtime friend of the show new yorker who does a lot of great content just got straight up deleted from youtube no warning he doesn't put up, he puts up stuff that's that's pretty controversial, but nowhere near as graphic as I do sometimes. And they just deleted his channel outright. So if that ever happens to me, I'm not going to stop. He'll be at Liberty Unleashed. <laughs> right. Well, but one way or the other, it's not going to end. There will still be a channel. Uh, I'll still doing Rumble, Odyssey, BitChute, all of it. So go over there also just to be sure you get it. And Discord, even if you don't want to talk on Discord or Facebook or Telegram, if you just subscribe to it because I always post when I'm going live or I put out new content, it really is the best way for you to beat the algorithm um, aside from sharing my stuff yourself. Did you have any other closing thoughts, Brian? Uh, I want to thank uh, Alette, Tam, Spartacus Rebellion. Uh, there's a couple others going down the chat here. It kind of scrolled away from me, but everybody for the support and subscribing to the channel and obviously tuning in to listen to our echo chamber today. It was great. <laughs> All right. 
Thanks again, everybody, for tuning in. Um, uh, Brian, I'm going to talk to you just a little bit briefly off the air after we're done here, if that's okay. No problem. And um, once again, guys, thanks for your support. And honestly, at this point, don't worry about donating to me at the moment. Worry about sharing this stream, sharing these channels. If you want this kind of content and you want it to be widespread, that's literally the only way that it's going to happen is you need to physically share it yourself. Share it on Twitter. Share it on Facebook. Share it wherever it is that you share it. Share it with your friends. Share, share, and share alike, okay? And the reason why is because of the fact that people who have good, logical, critical thinking conversations are getting censored, and that's because they don't want that kind of thinking from their sheep. Meh. <laughs> All right. Thank you, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Take care.